PC Perspective videos and podcasts are sponsored by Be Quiet and the all-new PureBase 500DX case. Featuring three PureWings 240mm fans, ARGB lighting, and USB 3.1 Gen 2 Type-C connectivity, the PureBase 500DX is optimized for maximum airflow with a sleek yet elegant design. Available now in black and white. Hey guys, welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 586, I think. Yes. Being recorded on today, May 14, 2020. I'm Sebastian Peak. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. Intel never used 586. They were mad at AMD because other companies were calling their stuff 586s, and that's why they came out with the whole Pentium thing. And so... Yeah, I'm Josh Walrath. I'm uh, Brett Van Spurnberg still. Uh, Jim is behind the scenes this week. He is uh, the puppet master. And uh, let's just get right into it, because we have a, a list of news, which uh, Jim claims is not very lengthy, but uh, it's like 18 items long, I think. As Google signs me out, and I log back in. <laughs> oh, okay, well, hey, let's get into the top stories. Obviously, yesterday... The f- a world's first, as far as I know, kitchen note. No, it was today. I don't know when you recorded today. it, but we got a kitchen note this morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, pre-recorded GTC keynote from Jensen Wong. Jeremy, you wrote up a brief overview of this with uh, one of the best subtitles in recent memory. And well, uh, it just could you guide us came. through? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the insane list of things that have come out. Uh, I mean, the the big one, and we're going to cover this, uh, you know, exhaustively very quickly, is the the, the brand new uh, GGX A100. It's uh, just going with a brief overview. It is a huge jump uh, from the previous generation. Some of the quotes were were saying that essentially, uh, a if you were to set up 50 of these DGX one systems or sorry, five, you would, uh, of the DGX a 100, you would be the equivalent of 50 of the, the previous generation of their, uh, GPU HPC computing. But to be honest, the real big thing is that you, th- those five brand new systems will chug through about 28 kilowatts of power. Uh, in in a set period of time, as opposed to 630 of the uh, previous Tesla version, that's a huge cost savings, and you know, just an amazing leap forward in power efficiency. They th- these are the giant systems that you will be buying if if you're an Amazon uh, or a Baidu or one of the, the very large ones. They also put together the Redstone HGX which is an add-in card, and it's got four A100 GPUs sitting on a a single add-in card. So again, you've got this incredibly dense amount of computing power, but it's, you know, it's trimmed down a little bit as far as price goes, because one of the things they did was skip the, uh, the NV link that you'll see on those, which, uh, you know, with the, the recent acquisition of Mellanox and some previous things, 
you know, they, they've turned this into this giant PCI Express, you know, NVMe over fabric, absolutely brilliant thing. But if you're looking for something that's a little more affordable, the car that you're looking at now, the EGX A100, by dropping the NVLink and just sort of setting up a mesh uh, system, you're still getting the vast majority of the computing power that you would with the, the significantly higher investment, but you're dropping power consumption because you don't have this chip sitting in the middle doing traffic control. And, you know, it, it, it's significantly smaller. Uh, and as I said, we'll, we'll go in deeper into the architecture of those. This is just the quick little overview of uh, what the cook's been rocking lately. And they've had a huge win uh, with their Isaac's robotics platform. So th this is, uh, you know, a neural net training system where you're looking for robots to learn how to most efficiently do a specific industrial job, as well as simulating very, very accurately the parts they're going to be working with so that you can actually do it virtually as opposed to bloody well building it from scratch and finding out it didn't work too well. So the BMW group uh, has moved to the Isaacs robotics platform. So this is, goes beyond just the cars this is their entire industry. We'll be using uh, the, the, these new NVIDIA cards to be and uh, systems to plot out, you know, the, the next generation of uh, robotics on the assembly line. And again, it, it's just the jump in performance and efficiency is amazing. If you're more into networking, uh, we've already talked a little bit uh, about how the Mellanox uh, Connect Six Connect X Six LX Smart NIC will work. Uh, when we originally discussed it, it was about teaming the two 25 gigabits ports that you can see there on the card into a single 50 gigabits connection. It's to, to borrow a phrase, pure fucking magic. It's amazing what they can do with this sort of thing. And again, it's going to be dropped into these systems. So because they're, they're literally processing fast enough that, you know, you're going to be looking at 500 gigabits and saying, well, we've pretty much uh, saturated that. We're going to need to pick up a few more. These are going to be in uh, PCIe 4, but they will be backwards compatible to PCIe 3. And last but not least uh, is the NVIDIA Clara Health Core platform. This is something that they've been working on for quite a while. And the idea is that, you know, hospital hardware is terrifying, uh, that you will find Windows NT still powering it. You will find things that have not been updated in God only knows how many years. So the idea with this is that they should be able to use the Clara HealthCore platform to take information from the existing sensors and... Internet of Things, make it a smart sensor. Uh, the idea being that instead of having a very rough copy of what someone's health records look like, uh, be it EKG, be it uh, pulse rate, whatever, they're able to monitor it and give you exact pla uh, patterns, figure out what exactly is going on with your patient. And, you know, they're not going to be predicting what sort of treatment you should give them, but it, it means that they've got a much better idea of what is happening. So the doctor can look at a patient record and say, you know, every night at three o'clock in the morning, uh, his uh, heart seems to go off and 
funneling it off the maid keeps plugging your vacuum in about the same time. But, you know, it, it, it's good information to be able to help heal people. Along with this, uh, they now hold the speed record of uh, com computing the entire human genome. Remember back, you know, 20 years ago when it was took several years to uh, map out the human genome? Mm -hmm. Clara's Clara Bricks is doing it in less than 20 minutes, which is, it, it's utter insanity. Now, we've already got the human genome mapped, uh, well, to an extent. We don't know what everything does, but we know where it is. Now, what, what this does is for any sort of genomics, especially the one that we're all currently uh, aware of that needs to be, have a lot of research in it, uh, is, uh, you know, sequencing RNA and DNA, especially certain RNA virus that's going around right now. And it, it's going to offer a huge amount of processing power to those that want it. And if you're saying to yourself, well, you know, they're pretty strapped for cash right now. Hospitals aren't exactly able to go out and upgrade, you know, pallets of pallets of systems. Well, NVIDIA is offering a free 90-day license to any and all that are doing legitimate uh, COVID-19 research right now. So they'll be able to suddenly get their hands on a tool for free that uh, if they've got the text that can interface with it, has the power to turn what took decades into minutes. So it's very interesting to see how this is going to play out. It's it's very, very interesting. And uh, as you're, as you're going to hear from uh, Josh and Sebastian, the reason it's so amazing is some of the architecture that, there, that lies behind all this. Unless they don't want to talk about it. Well, he's muted. I'm, oh, I'm muted. But the numbers are nuts, Josh. The, the size of this thing, it's seven nanometers, but look at the size. It's 826 millimeters squared. Well, I 54 think that's the entire billion transistors. Is that the entire package size or just the GPU die? I thought it was just the die. Because that seems awful big. Question. It does seem it's awful big. It, yeah, because <clears throat> usually, uh, usually was 815, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I could probably do some inference here and, and figure things out, but uh, I thought the 800 and some odd was, was the entire package with the substrate and you know the interposer but they call it something different yeah see that thing that looks i don't know 35 by 35 it's in it's in the video if you watch jensen's uh kitchen note he has one mm -hmm. propped up behind him like it does we could uh do Can that watch like, the edited version of the spatulas <clears throat> that's the only version that's, that's out like, there it's it's all edited because 800 and some odd is is like way past the the maximum reticle size of, of seven nanometer processes that I know of. I mean, IBM does some stuff up there that, you know, power PCs, the size of small dinner plates. Uh, mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know, kind of drawing a blank, but yeah, 54 billion. But if you think about it, uh, NVIDIA with this generation is really taking two process node jumps. Because they were TSMC 16 nanometer, which was essentially kind of a 20 nanometer back end uh, with FinFET. And then 12 nanometer was just kind of an optimization of that based on some things that NVIDIA wanted done. But it didn't 
really shrink the size very much and and performance didn't increase dramatically did some but uh with this tsmc seven nanometer i mean they're it's like you know jumping from 35 nanometer good lord 33 32 32 nanometer to a 14 so that's that's pretty massive and uh yeah They've done some interesting things. We haven't, you know, had the deep dive into what all they've changed. They did hint at some things. Probably the one of the more interesting things were how they handled now uh, tex- tensor core. Now we we thought that, you know, probably they're going to have more tensor core units in this. Well, no, it's it's pretty much exactly the same, even though it's a much bigger chip. But they've got like five times the performance uh, out of these these tensor cores, and it's because they've rearchitected them to output a tremendous amount more i mean if if you kind of saw his little video i mean it did this this kind of matrix except so it's let's say it's it's five wide and about you know it's, it's five deep and 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 15 long it, it probably isn't that in reality but anyway um it was only activating really one of those one of those five kind of columns and so you would see uh, the, 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 the data kind of strobe through that, and then it jumped to the next one, jumped to the next one, jumped to the next one, and repeat. And so that's kind of a very basic visualization of, of how the uh, previous tensor cores have done. Now they've got essentially all of those uh, columns and rows just going. I know, I'm sorry, columns and rows and matrix. It's not, it's not accurate, but I wish that, that I could visualize that better for you and actually have some real honest to god just paint paint names. a word picture most of our what josh is saying is they're not sending us one so anyway uh, uh basically yeah. They, yeah, they're, they're getting true. five times the, the throughput on these new tensor cores than they did previously uh just because of the way they re-architect and how they uh, do data and, and how power efficiency works and all of these things and so it's uh it's a it's a big step forward and they didn't really probably have to increase die size just from the tensor cores themselves to get that throughput. I mean, they obviously had to do some things because there were limitations on the previous generation and how that worked. But now, now it's, it's just smoking it. And uh, they didn't go into, again, uh, a lot of the other things with the other shader cores. Um, they talked a little bit about the memory. Uh, it's all HPM two E, I think, is what they were calling it. Yeah, it's like five thousand bits wide. One oh yeah, point four terabyte is that, or was it higher than that? It's one point. Was the actual number on Nvidia's site is one thousand five hundred fifty five gigabytes per second. So they're calling it one point six terabytes per second bandwidth on a five thousand one hundred twenty bit bus. <laughs> that's a lot of bandwidth there are 100, and for one yeah, 108 sms on this thing too so 6912 cuda cores of course the arrangement of these is it's if you look at an sm it's there's separate 32 like half a full precision and double precision uh cores so it can be 6912 if you're at full precision and it's half of that if you're at uh double precision the tensor core count is down, though. That's the thing. Like I initially saw, it went from 640 with Tesla V100 to only 432 tensor cores on this. But that is 
these are the new third generation tensor cores, as you just mentioned. They have the, the bigger matrix. It's like eight by eight by four instead of four by four by four. So they're, they're supposedly twice as fast. Yeah, yes. it's a major redesign as opposed to just an upgrade. Yeah, I think it's more it's than impressive. twice as fast, but anyway. But yeah, yeah it's, it's a tremendous amount more per tensor core uh, than what they were previously able to do. Yes. And in fact, I did a little Googling, by the way, Josh, and uh, no, according to no. the call with reporters that Jensen had before the announcement this morning, it is, in fact, that huge number is the die size. He says it's oh. almost 32 millimeters in one dimension, almost 26 millimeters in the other dimension for just the die. So it's it's a massive die. Was it again 32 by what? 26? 26. 28. 26. Yeah, 32. Wow. That's a big stonking die. Yeah. And there is, it's, it's no wonder why each one of these GGXs costs one hundred ninety nine thousand dollars. It's got eight of those oh, yeah. puppies on it. They yeah. only have a paltry six hundred gigabytes a second uh, bandwidth between them, though. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Damn you, Melanox! It seems like it would slow that. it down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be better. Don't worry. Yeah. This is this is Gen One of Ampere. It's okay. But it's their third Gen NV Link. It, and it it's in name only is it NV Link? It's not the same. Like you know, you put the the bit on the end of your graphics cards. That's NV Link in name only. This is totally different. Mm. The 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 other thing that kind of stood out to me, uh, and I got a cat meowing at me. I wish she'd just leave me alone sometimes. But anyway, uh, they they went from an Intel platform to AMD. So they're two sixty four core. AMD Rome race server processors that not only give you 128, you know, regular x86 CPU cores. Well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And then 256 threads. Um, but it's the only platform that has PCIe 4.0 available to them. And of course, the new Ampere stuff is all PCIe 4.0. And when you take one of those boxes and you have that kind of uh base performance in 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 io uh they also have what uh, 15 terabytes of nvme pcie 4.0 storage you are correct sir yeah it's a tremendous amount of bandwidth in that yeah. entire thing and yeah amd was kind of the only <laughs> only company that could provide that intel hasn't been able to and so I mean, it's not like AMD is going to sell a tremendous amount of processors with these because I have no idea how many DGXs ever get sold. I mean, 100,000, maybe, maybe most. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't expect huge numbers, but boy, that's a, uh, they're kind of sitting in the catbird seat in terms of features, overall performance, um, seven nanometer uh, TDPs, uh, you know, the, the amount of memory that each one of those can, can address. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's one terabyte of regular memory in there, which is, which is beautiful. But, but, but bus bandwidth is a big winner for them here. So, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly. I mean, they've got a lot of PCIe lanes coming yeah. off of those. What? 128 a piece. I think so. 
don't remember. I can't remember. My mind is seriously. Was just, just this has been a long. So many week powers of I two. Mush. There's just yeah, yeah. There are just so many powers of two out there. It's confusing sometimes. Yeah, but hey, we but found anyways, somewhere yeah. where PCIe 4.0 makes a lot of sense because this will yeah definitely definitely you can give it yes. So Do you have anything to say to that, Sebastian? No, I don't. I just want to talk you're, about this uh, the real five demo. Okay, let's go to it. Look, we're not going to get one. It's it's amazing. They make incredible data center uh, products, but but one last thing, physically, actually... physically, I couldn't help but notice that when you when they were demonstrating pulling it out of the rack to for servicing and like doing an exploded parts diagram, that there was like a mini rack inside of it that that multiple yeah. other pieces pulled out <laughs> pulled out at, at a ninety degree angle, and I'm like, I've never seen that. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> like that, that was cool. just really nice. It's a dumb it thing. A it's design. A, it has nothing to do with anything other than I just thought it was neat. It's it's almost uh, Apple esque attention to detail. Um, there, it was clever. Yeah, it's kind of like, but they're they're uh, they were talking about uh, fifteen kilometers of uh, optical to cable. Yes, that uh, they used to uh, span in between a bunch of the DGXs. Right. Yeah, that's kind of and insane. W- um, and one entire uh, hardware store is worth of screws in every unit. Pretty much. Yes. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, kind of the last thing that I, that I took away from this is is this gives us a little bit of idea of where we're sitting come fall when the uh, the NVIDIA consumer graphics comes out. Obviously, we're going to have smaller chips, less performance, but still... Uh, if you look at the the jump from you know the V100 to this, I mean it's it's really impressive, and we can kind of expect that kind of jump um, when when the the 3080 or whatever the hell I want to call it 3080 Ti comes out uh, for the consumer side, it's just going to be kind of ludicrous. I don't know if we're going to see any uh, real increase in 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 uh, memory capacity. And memory speeds are, I think we're still going to be, you know, GDDR6 type stuff on 384. Is it a 512-bit bus? I think it's 384, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it would be if it was the full GPU, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, they're going to... Memory's not a big deal at this point because that thing probably has so much cache internal... It's uh, it's going to be nuts, and um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to uh, to finally see you know an editor's day, an architecture day, where we get to kind of go through more with a a fine tooth comb to see what they've done compared to previous generations and what we can expect. But I think that performance is is going to be very 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 good, and unfortunately, they're probably going to pay well. They're going to charge a lot of money for each one. That's the problem, isn't it? There, there's not going to be a whole lot of competition from AMD. I mean, oh. sure, we've got Navi 2 coming out, but I don't think that I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, yeah, but if Navi I can get right now is 70% of the performance for 50% of the price, that'd be okay then. Yeah. And knock on wood, it so, happens. But yeah. Yeah. And and rumors of of much more usable RTX functionality in between software and hardware. So that's going to be nice. 
that could be There's the sleeper thing from this announcement because yeah, because they're the third generation Tensor cores. Since the performance is more than double, as they're saying, you know, if they're able to fit the same number of Tensor cores in the next generation desktop part that perform more than twice as fast, suddenly RTX becomes a lot more viable. Obviously, you don't have to resort to DLSS and upsampling. And I will say I added it the foot as a footnote to the, the news post about the Ampere A100 is that uh, Market Watch, I saw the quote from the investor call, or I don't know, it was like a press briefing actually, where he said that it was asked if Ampere will replace NVIDIA, NVIDIA's Turing and Volta chips on a single platform that streamlines their GPU lineup. And his response was unquestionably. Etc. So, I mean, it's it just sounds like they're moving in a direction where this will make it to GeForce, but we will see. Obviously, nothing is forthcoming. There was no announcement about any consumer products today. But there was, but, and I was just reminded of something that I needed to bring up. Yeah. The more you buy, the more you save. <laughs> Straight out of Jensen's mouth. <laughs> it's true. And by the way, you absolutely need to watch some of these videos just to see the kitchen. Like, what's going on in the kitchen? There, there's How like many spatulas does one man Spatulas. Spatula yeah. city. Spatula city. <laughs> and then on the other side of the counter, for, we could talk about the kitchen for a while. Like, the, the, the wooden cutting board with the mysterious circle print on it. Is that a, is that a mark from a hot pan? What's going on there? Yes. Uh, on the counter behind him, there is a, a graphics card. You can see the box. But if you look closely... Because, of course, these are uploaded in 4K. They're brilliant looking. It's a 2070 Super. The CEO of the company can't get a, a Titan RTX? What's going on here? An RT, uh, 2080 Super? TIs are on allocation, man. 2080 TIs. I can't even get an RTX TI. So, yeah. yeah. Even a I'm disappointed that one of our viewers actually knows what model of stove that is. I oh, saw that. Okay. That, and it, it's apparently built into a shrine, which is interesting. You know, that's yeah, a 50-pound piece of equipment. At 50 least. pounds. No, they said it's it's 50 pounds. Oh, okay. Okay, now, okay, with it, with it paused, Jim, can we go back there for a second? I want to explore this briefly. Behind uh, the the counter, in the background, you can see what looks like, uh, like, a, like a fence, like a barrier. This is a second it's, floor, perhaps. It's an atrium foyer. Is this a kitchen on the second ah, floor? Right. This is the upstairs no, kitchen. I, I think it's the, the main spare floor. kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? It's just a walk down, like to the lower level. Jensen's a billionaire. He well, can have whatever yeah. he wants. Sure. Can't you tell from it's the lighting nice whether house. this is ground level or not? We depend on you for these sort of things, Sebastian. It, it's it's difficult to say because I, I think he probably had some extra lighting in the room. I'm just saying. Nah. I don't think he relied on natural light. Stage. He had a camera person. Yeah. It, it's really. I think it's probably really his house, but it's it's like. His house built into a soundstage. So this was a, a five hundred million dollar set. All right, let's move on to something. Uh, <laughs> Jim, Jim is dying a level. little inside. I know it's only been half an hour on the first story. Yeah, Unreal it's, Engine it's, Five going well. has been revealed, allegedly running on a PlayStation Five Live, and I guess it ended up being like thirty frames per second, fourteen forty p. I think is what I read, but uh, it looks unbelievable. Like I'm struggling to believe this was a PS5, but and and Xbox fans are uh, not pleased 
say the least. That this is like PS5 is all over all of these announcements, and all the like the digital fa- digital foundry did their breakdown of it. You can watch a video where they're talking to Epic guys, and they're they're literally taking you on a guided tour through this world and letting you look at the 8K textures on these rocks and move around and, and change the lighting. And they they made a big deal out of uh, some of the natural motion that they're capable of of introducing, like uh, predictive footfalls and some of these more natural hand motions, hand movements they've programmed in, which I didn't really think much of until they showed the girl walking through a doorway and just sort of without thinking, she puts her hand on the door frame as she walks through and it looked very natural. So they've they've put a lot of extra time into some of the details that will help uh, make this look more lifelike. I always find walking in games to look kind of stiff. So maybe this this fixes everything. I'd love to see some games ported over to Unreal 5 uh, just to look at the difference. But this, I, did you guys watch this tech demo? Is it, does it blow you away? So many triangles. I'm watching it now, and yeah, that's impressive as hell. For this, I would be fine with 30 frames a second, especially it looked... I was watching this on a high-resolution display... And if you pump up the the YouTube video goes up to 4K, it looks just astonishing. Like you're looking at what looks like photorealistic textures when they zoom in. So the other the other half of this story is that uh, the engine is available without uh, encumbrance up to, you know, some sort of million million dollars of commercialism. uh, Yeah, if you develop something with it, it's amazing. I mean, it's this engine is obviously top notch. Uh, The latest hardware console hardware is going to service it really well. Even if it is locked at thirty frames, let's we don't have to go there. Um, nice view distance, but y- y- yeah, amazing. So, uh, yeah, the license uh, arrangement on this is really incredible. Uh, what they're doing here is liter- literally, if you build something with this until you make a million dollars, it's um, pretty much unencumbered with no license server. So there's no weirdness going on with your dev boxes and stuff like that, where you couldn't check out your license occasionally due to you know weirdness. Um, so good on them. I think we're going to see some really uh, interesting games developed with this. So really, they're opening this up so that independent or um, not well-financed developers can get a crack at uh, you know high-end world building. I mean, there's add-ons that do cost money, but you don't need them. And to be honest, you know, at that point that you've broken the million dollars where they start to ask you for licensing, mm-hmm. you're doing pretty good. You can probably afford it. So cool. Unfortunately, so cool. when you hit that one million mark, you have to pay them five hundred thousand. Yeah, well, back. I mean, that's I, just I, a rumor, know. you know. It's it could be something. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Hey, it, 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 you have to spend money to make money, right? You, you know that's true. Uh, we're back to Nvidia again. AMD. The no, other no, one. we're back to AMD. <laughs> back to AMD. So stay oh. on the stay the course. We were talking about RDNA two <laughs> graphics, of course, powering the next gen consoles. As AMD was quick to, I, I I read a press release from AMD about this. I'm like, wow, AMD's new Unreal Engine five on AMD's new PlayStation console. That's amazing. Uh, they do let Sony distribute the console for them, though. Uh, well, it's only fair. That's, that's a clever turn of a phrase, but sure. Yeah, I mean. Sony designed the outer shell, I guess, so they can mm. they can take credit for that. Yeah. Speaking of AMD, uh, I don't know if you remember, but what was it? A year and about three months ago, four months ago, the 
glorious Radeon 7 graphics card was released. Itself pour, a pour one out for the consumer, Radeon. Yeah. It, itself <laughs> a consumer variant with higher clocks of a MI was it the MI50? The Radeon Instinct MI50 it was one of the oh. MI cards. MI50 or MI60. Yeah. It's Vega 20 GPU, 16 gigabytes of HBM2 and we obviously covered that quite extensively when it first came out and we had one at launch and benchmarked it and it was close to the performance of an RTX 2080. It depended on the game, but it could actually beat an RTX 2080. And then the 2080 Super happened and it kind of fell into obscurity and it was expensive. It launched at 699 and they, I don't think they were making a ton of money on it because of all that HBM too. Fast forward to today or within the last 24 hours or so, we've seen Radeon Pro 7 launch. They've taken Radeon 7, and it has a different shroud, and I think slightly lower clocks. Yeah, the peak GPU clock is 1705 megahertz, down from 1750 with the Radeon 7. And the TDP, the board power is lower. I mean, they, they've, I don't know if it's through binning or just through downclocking it, but they've, they've hit a 250 watt target with this. And then, of course, the Radeon 7 had art sort of artificially reduced FP64 performance. It was at one quarter. So now it's only at one half. So you get double the FP64, 6.5 teraflops up from three and a half. So it's, it's the same thing. It's Vega 20. It's in a different package. It's significantly more expensive, and it has professional-level driver support. I was going to observe that... Um... This new card from AMD has a striking resemblance to a slightly underclocked, maybe slightly rerouted, undertuned um, Apple MPX module. They gained a lot of experience in that space. Uh, similar single precision performance, half the HBM memory bandwidth, of course, is the same due to the HBM uh, plusing up, plusing that up. But I'm going to guess that they probably took some of the technologies and techniques that they had in building out that MPX module and said, you know, we're getting some silicon that is not um, Apple quality. Let's do something with it. Just, I'm throwing that out there. That's all I need to sleep for. Quality. Not, hey, that's a Apple. God awful amount uh, of we, display ports. We, we said this last time about uh, Apple's, whipping Intel on part numbers for their CPUs that they don't sell to anybody else. So I'm not going to disqualify that statement. I'm going to stick by it. Okay. It's bold. You know, Vega sure is long legged and long lived. Mm -hmm. We've seen that for a long time and Vega is going to make its comeback, not only in this product, but in the, uh, the integrated uh, Ryzen 4000 series. So yeah, they just, can't get their GPU stuff together. I mean, oh well, I guess that's what happens when you invest all your R&D at CPUs and uh, kind of put everything else on the back burner, which admittedly has worked out pretty well for AMD. But yeah, they, they're they still in the midst of pumping uh, pumping up their GPUs. What's going on with Radeon Technology Group, Josh? Why don't we have Big Not Navi? Yet? Big Navi. It's, it's, it, it, you know, Rome was not made in a day. No, it took about three days. Nice, nice. 
Yeah, but uh, it's going to be the same thing with GPUs is that the stuff is, you know, it's like I was talking to the ARM guys the other day. Um, they were, or, you know, when, when, when they have an editor's day, they kind of have to reset their minds back about three years uh, because, you know, they, they started on this stuff essentially a couple of years ago and then it all kind of came to fruition. And then after that, it's all verification and, you know, getting everything going so that it can be productized. And so, you know, they, they've got two generations of stuff that's sitting in their heads that they're still working on while the stuff that they're announcing is all finished up and has been for a long time. And so it's the same thing with AMD is they've got these products in the pipeline and it just takes a while. And if you throw a hundred million dollars at, at R and D uh, you're not going to see that pay off until three to four years from now. And so it's going to take a while for AMD to get back up. Uh, because they really haven't been making money in probably, you know, until the last two years where they could actually start pumping these things up. So, yeah, we're, we're, we've got some, some crumbs coming our way, but that's, it's <laughs> going to be it for a while. Does that mean you're going to be writing something up about that 768G? I no. assume that's what you were talking to them about? No. Oh. I don't even know what the 768G is. It's uh, Qualcomm. Yeah. yeah. Snapdragon. Oh. Yeah. Arm. Yeah. Built on arm. Mm-hmm. Arm. Mm. Just like almost everything. Mm. You know what isn't what? built on arm technology? No. Tell us. I, I don't Intel's know. Intel's 10th generation desktop. Oh processor. my gosh. Oh, that. I almost They're forgot. They're built about on it. Intel technology. Hey, you could pre order those things. Oh, you wow. If you're, like, cool. if you're like most people, you're on Newegg constantly refreshing the page and hitting auto notify to see you when know? you can score your packaging. Core i9 10900K. For just five twenty nine ninety nine. Now that initial price, we we never really know prices until we see them in retail, obviously, or e-tail. But the the four hundred eighty eight dollar price was the one thousand unit tray price. So obviously, retail it's going to be a little higher. Looks like it's going to be five twenty nine ninety nine. And uh, I got an email blast from Newegg about this a few days ago. Click on it, and of course, pro- this is the processor that sold out. Sold out immediately. I have no idea how many they had to sell, but they're sold out currently. But uh, yeah, some ginger bought them all to pump up the numbers. Probably. I don't know. I don't know if he was able to. Out of stock, though. Oh, not even an auto notify on the i7. Jim wants to throw that. There you go. Oh, nope. Sorry. I just threw a picture in the chat. I think we should throw that up. Oh, $9.99. You know, why don't you get two? Why not get for you and a friend? Available nine ninety eight, not even nine ninety nine. That's, I mean, why be why be greedy? How does it ship May sixteen? Who is this? No. There's a lot of unanswered questions here. But hey, it, it, the tenth gen processors they're real. They're at retail. They're not that far above the one k price. Can I you guess. buy a I mean, motherboard yet? Are, are those uh, actually? I know that they've been announced, but are they actually available? Good question. I don't know if any people uh, have them. I didn't see any. Special people have them. Yeah, I'm special. I, you can pre-order them. Let's see. This ROG Maximus 12 Hero Wi-Fi is pre-order for three ninety nine ninety nine. I'm sorry. Is that a thirteen hundred dollar motherboard? It yeah. sure is. Oh, that or 
Aorus Extreme, or is it Aorus? Aorus? I don't know. I, I always thought it was Aorus. Okay, that sounds fine. I'm struggling to understand the difference between these two Asus boards, though. How is the Maximus 12 Hero... Oh, I see the other one's the Extreme. Yeah. Mm. Man, that Extreme is an expensive board. That's Holy nuts. crap. I will take better AMD care of it. Bad, bad things. Releasing a $600, $700 motherboard. Now Intel had to one-up them with a $1,200 <laughs> motherboard. We're dropping the price on the processors, but wait till you see our motherboards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the motherboards have to be pretty uh, beefy. The power delivery needs to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the total platform uh, cost is fairly high I'm, I'm with it. I'm going to be real curious and cooling with these puppies. I sense you're making excuses. No, I, I just think it's kind of funny. Like, if you were to buy into this platform right now, you get, I, the rumors are you get one more CPU. You'll get, what is it? Oh, Alder Lake? Oh, okay. Or, I can't remember the name of it. Whatever the next architecture is uh, on this LGA 1200, and then that's it. And in the past, a lot of AMD platforms have been kind of one and done. Like, you buy, uh, what was it? Seventh Gen was on the 200 series, and then immediately you went to Coffee Lake and you had to be on a 300 series board, right? And so, like, Z170 went to Z270 and H270, and then it went to the Z, or like the 300 series. And then, yep. And then, if you wanted a ninth gen, didn't you have to move up to Z390 to support those? Uh, mm-hmm. You had to flash 70 oh, okay. Some you okay. could flash, not all, if I recall. I just think it's, I look at that, and that's just the way Intel users live. If you want a new yeah. processor, you generally have to buy a new motherboard. And then we won't, we it wasn't on the list, but the the outcry among at least a very vocal group of people yeah. about AMD and oh. Ryzen compatibility and <laughs> people who have just learned that there is such a thing as a BIOS ROM size are now up in arms right. about the fact that there is. Right. That, a that's a conspiracy ROM. theory. You can actually fit so, as much as you want on any ROM chip ever. And and True, you know what? Apparently. You know what people have said? I learned, that on, I learned that on Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> <laughs> you just sort people of overfill have, it a little bit and it keeps going. <laughs> There's some side effects, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> people have suddenly realized that if their ROM size wasn't big enough for the fourth for 4,000 series CPUs, that the computer they own right now suddenly stopped working. It's true. I mean, because you have That's to make a learn. decision. Do you want your computer to function or do you want your computer to be uh, upgradable? And you well, can't all they really ways. do. All they really. Yes. They just suddenly with the knowledge of that in their head, their existing computer ceased to function. No, it's because these people were all going to upgrade to a 4000 series the day it came out. Obviously, that's why they're yeah. holding on to a and, B3. And not only that, but they all wrote. Board. They all wrote to AMD. Yep. Warning yep. them. Yep. Just months ago. OK, Josh. Offended. That offended. sounds a little snarky, Josh. That sounded snarky. <laughs> well, you know, on Greater that snarkiness, <laughs> I've, I've got to go. It is oh it no, is okay. Thursday. Tis that time, and I All was right. I was only pulling this whole thing down. I mean, me trying to explain how those tensor cores worked, being so incredibly wrong. I can't even can't. But even anyway. when we're wrong, it just makes us more relatable, I guess. Mm, something like that. Yeah, professional. Someone will tweet about it. The professionalism anyway. All right, is overrated. Guys. 
Josh, they're going to run away. Tonight. No bad publicity. Patch well. Patch swiftly. Patch well. Josh walks into that. What is the place? Some, something Johnny Sweet Night or something. All right. <clears throat> Let's talk about some rumors from the rumor mongers. I won't call them that. WCCF Tech has a mixed history in the rumor department, but they are they? talking. They they're reporting. This is a, a reliable source, though. The Tom Apisak, our everybody's favorite Twitter data miner. The Ryzen 9 4900U CPU, and I've actually seen this rumor from a few places. It's, uh, what can you tell me about this? I have not paid attention to this rumor. This is the, oh, this is the 8-core Renoir. Again, another mobile processor using uh, Vega graphics. Vega won't die. Enhanced Vega, though. Remember, it's enhanced Vega. It's going to be fast and not draw a lot of power. Reasonably fast. 4.4 gigahertz. 16 threads. It's going to be nice. So the U designation, the same as Intel. So this is 15 watts rather than the configurable 3545 watt, like the 4900H is. Mm -hmm. So what was the variant that's in? Okay, the HS. The HS was the variant I'm thinking of. It's not U. So they have, excuse me, they have the H, which is 45 watts, the HS, which is 35 watts. And now they're going to have a 4900U with Intel generation-ish kind of clocks. To, to make this happen. So 1.8 gigahertz base up to 4.3 gigahertz boost, thus enabling them to hit a 15 watt TDP, which 15 watts, if, if TDP is calculated the same way as you know everybody else is, that's at 1.8 gigahertz. So if you actually mm-hmm. are boosting cool. to 4.3, yeah, Nobody this is going to have to be a little, little overbuilt. It'll do it's great in a thick- video playback test. But well, it's going to be a thick, thick boy laptop. Yeah, which is funny because it's a 15 watt CPU. It's just it's fun. It, we need to throw away TDPs. TDPs <laughs> are all kind of a joke at this point. I have to agree with Ian on this one. And uh, on tech, I think he recently posted something to that effect. Like TDPs are a joke, or maybe it was an older article when I was reading about Skylake just for fun the other day. Oh, it still stands. You got TDPs. You got SDP. You've got the other SDP. Because uh... if if you go into a like a BIOS, like a UF, UF, UEFI yeah. setup, and you can you can look at power limits if you have that option yeah. available to you, and you can look at hard numbers, like what is the maximum power limit, what's the duration of that, mm-hmm. and they get pretty high. You can yeah. pump it up pretty freaking high, but it's not – this TDP number is just it, – it kind of helps you understand, oh, this is sort of that class of product, but yeah. I would look at 15 watts and think, oh, thin and light. But there's no way you're putting a 45 watt part in a thin and light. Yeah, just a clock down. 45 watt part. There was a point when you could look at a heat uh, a heat sink and it would be rated, uh, you know, a, a TDP because back then it was actually meaningful. Yeah. Do you see any PR on any heat sinks or water coolers lately that actually list that? I'm looking for a box because. Quiet, they, they, yeah. they'll give you supported does, process put it on there i don't think uh i don't think cooler master does be quiet we'll say like i think the dark rock slim says 180 watts right on the box the bigger ones like the the pro says 220 watts on the box and then the the big dual tower says 250 watts in the box but is that rated tdp or maximum dissipation so we'd have to ask them and then and it, how many pluses does it have beside it 
You're right. 140 watt plus 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 TDP. Those are different pluses. I mean, <laughs> well, at this point, they're about the same. Ha. Yeah, with how much clamping force? It will do this much with this many fans in this size water cooler with this kind of thermal pace with this much clamping force or you know, is whatever the force is yeah. against a CPU when you mount it. Mounting force? Uh, so, yeah. And that's, room temperature is defined as, you know, 400 and some degrees Kelvin. No more, no less. Can you give us some uplift? Okay, I, I was going to ask you about this anyway. The The thunderstruck thing the latest uh security vulnerability oh this is a fun uh, one i like this one yeah do you Does, want the good news first is this or the actually bad news uh, how about well what's the bad news uh if you've got thunderbolt uh because intel makes thunderbolt that there are a couple of uh you know prototypes that were done by other companies which you might have your hands on just because you're that one person that has to point out that you've got one that's not Intel. Uh, but yeah, if you've got Intel Thunderbolt 1, 2, or 3, it is unfortunately uh, physically insecure. It's not something that can be fixed by a firmware update. It is a hardware issue. However, uh, one of the nice people at Edelman reached out to me and mentioned that uh, Intel has... Uh, published a, a response to the, the research that was done by uh, the university that I don't quite have up right now yet, uh, that in theory, there is a new kernel direct memory access protection that can mitigate against these. So Windows 10, 1803, and good Lord, get off that one, uh, or Mac OS uh, 10.12.4, which is... I don't know which name that would be, Sebastian. You might. 10, mm -hmm. 10 12 is High Sierra, I believe. Yeah, okay. So it, it, oh, it's a, the, one of the newer High Sierras. Uh, oh, that's Sierra. Researchers, Sorry. 10 12 is yeah. Sierra. Okay. So the researchers from Eindhoven University weren't able to demonstrate a successful attack if this was fully implemented. On the other hand, they were able to demonstrate attacks against everything else on the planet and essentially it's if they're able to get access to the system it's a permanent thing because they're actually writing to the thunderbolt controller and are able to hide it because there is no uh security mitigation to say hi my firmware has been changed and now i'm you know sort of just giving people direct access to your uh, DMA and they can rate whatever the hell they want and irrevocable. Uh, you would literally have to pull the chip out of it and replace it with another one. It's, it's ridiculously terrifying because once they've got it in there, uh, they can then clone uh, long story short, like your Thunderbolt devices register themselves under your current user as an authorized user. Once this is in any, they can add fake Thunderbolt devices. And because you can chain Thunderbolt, this means they just slap one little thing on there and they've got complete and utter control over your system, which is just, you know, what you look for in, in, you know, your hardware. Uh, as a technique, I mean, what they're taking advantage of is DMA and DMA stands for direct memory access. 
And what that allows uh, host uh, versus client devices to do, or actually it's called host adapter mode uh, when they're doing this, is that it takes the CPU out of the mix, which for the most part, uh, unless there's some low-level um, watchers going on, it actually um, is is really great from a transfer uh, perspective. It was designed to speed up transfer of data from intelligent devices like those hung off of um, dare I say SCSI well, or Thunderbolt. I was going to say ATA. No, no, that isn't that. That is that is a poll. Hey, IO. come on! Remember, remember UDMA. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. And that, did that was that on eight? Was that on one hundred? That come out on one hundred one thirty three? Yeah. Okay. Oh no, I think it was one thirty three. One thirty three. All right. So anyway. What what this was designed to do is obviously speed up transfers uh, between a, uh, a storage device and memory. So, hey, fantastic. We're not going to bother the CPU with this. We're just going to read some data, whether whatever device it is, whether it's a camera, uh, you know, a hard drive or, or a capture card or whatever. And we're going to stream it right into memory and not bother the CPU. So the CPU is spinning along, doing its own thing, and poof, the okay. data shows up in memory and then the and then the the program that was asking for the data gets control handed back to it. Man, all my data's here and the CPU is chugging along and your user interface was smooth and everything was great. And people loved it. The downside, this is part of the downside, is that if you can pretend to be a, a nefarious device, which isn't that hard, slightly more difficult on Mac because you have to have a blessing. They're like UUID keys in order to get configured into Mac OS. The um, these devices have direct access to memory and can pretty much do whatever they want because that's part of the designed in DMA protocol. It's designed in. Mm-hmm. So, so you've got all full disk encryption. You don't care. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, you you've got BIOS level uh, security protection. It don't care. It doesn't talk to it. It's just doing direct memory access. You know, as you're saying, yeah. it it doesn't even talk to the things where most of your security is baked in. Right. So the good news bypasses it, bypasses it all by design. So yeah, yeah. the good news, uh, this requires physical access to your machine. This cannot be done remotely in any way, shape or form. And essentially what the attack is, is that, uh, and if you were watching the video side, uh, you, you've seen, but, uh, if you're on the audio version, uh, you need to unscrew to be able to get inside. You need to attach a flash programmer uh, with a specific clip so that you can interface directly to that Thunderbolt controller. So it's it's quick. I mean, the the, the way they, the researchers described is if they've got five minutes alone with your machine, this will happen. Problem being that, you know, if someone's had five minutes of uninterrupted access to your machine, there are so many fun things that they could do to make your rest of your life completely and utterly miserable. So it's not likely you're going to see this, but if it happens, th- this is a terrifying thing. It's irrevocable. It will skip every bit of encryption, every bit of baked in close to the metal security software you've got. It doesn't care. So, you know, the honestly, you know, it, it's a good advice. Just don't let strangers sit alone with your hardware. Well, yeah, not if you have anything of value right, on your machine. Right, right in the port. Yeah. Put that put that right there. You go. Put that right in the That'll port. That'll do it. That'll fix it right there. A little bit of epoxy. This is not working. Jeremy, this is oh, and- this is the selling point for an Apple laptop because they use those weird pentalobe screws that you can't ever find a driver for. Oh, and nobody's gonna it, it'll take them ten minutes to find the driver to open it. And then right back there. That yellow box. They're, they're not that hard to find. 
Yeah, I know they're not hard to find. I mean, so if you're if you're already equipped to do this, and you have the, the second machine and everything's ready to go, yeah, you could do this in a few minutes. But I find yeah. these sorts of exploits just personally to be a little overblown. They they make good headlines, but at the same time, it's like okay, they need access to my machine, then they need to actually get direct access and connect things to my board. It's not like somebody could just plug in a USB drive and I'm pwned. It's well, we need. Oh well, no, that's a different vulnerability. Yeah, right. but yes, they they can do that hey, too. Do you do you not understand the concept of fear and panic in order to control people? Perhaps you've never heard of that. It's kind of new, you know. No, it's it's not like a theme right now or anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I just wonder if you'd heard of it. I don't live in a state that is consumed by fear and and mistrust of so this is totally new but anyway you know that's a that's you know headlines and hey you're going to get hacked if you don't take your computer to the bathroom every time you leave your desk so yeah just do that yeah so moving on amd has relaunched gpu open and i am i did not read up on this at all scott wrote this up does anybody have any thoughts about i did i did and uh i think the important points here is that uh amd is partnering with an open source mechanism to gain access more directly to their gpu uh which if anybody's ever programmed hardware and i've i've had to do it for capture systems and uh scanners and cameras and printers and stuff in the past it's a pain in the butt especially when you got to do it directly cuz you're talking to memory and different memory spots and reading stuff out and clocking stuff and making sure that things come and go in, in a timely fashion. It's a real pain. So AMD, um, not uh, besides the software, AMD sponsoring something like this is really great. But putting it in, in as out there as open source and giving people access to, as, as Scott tried to emphasize and said, you know, open source ambient occlusion. And if people aren't familiar with that, what that is, is um, when you're shooting essentially virtual light rays against objects. And so it's not just 2D space, you know, obviously 3D space is when is when light interrupts, you know, an object interrupts the light ray and it occludes other objects in the scene. So having that open source and being able to program that directly is actually really cool. It's actually really, really cool. Um, but my favorite thing about what they did was what they uh, are calling their memory visual visualizer, which if anybody's ever programmed anything, um, anything complex that is grown to the point of where it sort of has a mind of its own, you are often surprised when things fail within it and you start to trace what's going on and looking deeply into the internals. It's uh, this sounds dumb, but it's often surprising to find out what a complex program is actually doing. So this aspect of that they just released yesterday to peer deeply into what's going on inside of their memory subsystem and how what you're putting into the graphics card is being mapped, how much space it's taking, um, relatively speaking. Uh, you guys have probably seen the file mappers that allow you to sort of... Um, crawl through a disk and it shows you relative size of things and hey what's this uh, open it up and it gives you a visual representation of all that well this is a mechanism for doing that when you're programming a graphics card which it's invaluable for figuring out what your program is actually doing and it can reveal some very surprising things so this is my favorite thing uh, that they released from in an open source easily accessible way um, tomorrow is um, a developers conference, essentially a build it uh, conference. And this is tomorrow, Friday, the 15th as virtual, of course, uh, where they go over their tools, their tool chain, um, their design, open source design stack for porting or creating um, your image processing um, 
uh, systems into their card. They've got some really clever stuff going on, which would be great to learn about, such as being able to uh, do um, their processing uh, asynchronously. Uh, back when I was doing a lot of uh, uh, embedded programming, you tend to process graphics uh, using planes or in an, like an XY coordinate system. And you would sort of had to process them kind of in a row or top to bottom or as a grid. The way that you can program image or rasterization access or, or scene processing is asynchronously, which means they can have portions of the graphics card and in an open source way, have it process things all over the scene and all over the rasterization at the same time for doing different effects and, and sampling rates for texture mapping and rasterization scaling and stuff like that. So it's really cool. This is sort of programmer deep. If people aren't into that, then this doesn't mean anything to them. <laughs> if you are, then this is pretty cool. So thanks, Scott. So if, if you know, a company was to release a graphics card that had, you know, memory that didn't all run at the same speed, this would show you that? It, you know what? You could probably see address by address mapping because those two uh, areas of, of physical chips would ha be mapped differently into your address space. If you knew and it was consistent, they didn't do address randomization or anything, and there's no reason for them to do that inside a GPU. you got to know where stuff is. Uh, it's not like uh, CPU. Well, maybe in some ways it is. You know, I was just thinking of a, uh, address randomization or address location randomization. Um, but and, yeah, if you knew how it was being mapped, then you could it. see. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, you could actually map it that way. Yeah. So well, you could visualize the, the where you don't actually went. need to worry about can get yeah. dumped over there and the rest of it can go on the full speed stuff. Or what you would be surprised to find out is where you're putting stuff, where you're, you're, whatever it is you're programming, where am I storing this? Oh, I just told it to just put it where the first available was. If I use these extra parameters of my, Hey, Hey, graphics subsystem, store this texture for me. If I use the extra parameters to say, Hey, put that in low memory. Cause I'm not going to need that for a while. Then you can op optimize your programming. And that's very important to understand what's going on and, and to get the best out of your hardware. I don't know what half of, well, 90% of what you just said was. Let's talk about, this is, a, I don't know, this is crowdfunded? This is a crowdfunded monitor. Gaming I think I want one of these. From e, I, don't, I have never heard of this before now. EVE Devices, in development, is the Spectrum monitors, apparently designed by gamers and the EVE community. Their, their goal is to make the best gaming monitor in the world. And uh, it looks like a, just a normal... 27-inch 1440p gaming monitor, I guess. It's made with an LG display panel. The numbers are not insane. I mean, obviously, it's very good range. It's it's a variable refresh monitor that's 48 to 144 hertz. So that's good. You'd like to see it lower than 48, ideally, but it's G-Sync compatible, certified, and it's a FreeSync Premium Pro. I, IPS at one millisecond. Yeah, yep. that is impressive. Now it says and HDR10, the, the price? display HDR400 certified. Is this? I, I doubt they are hitting the one millisecond number with. Well, I don't know. I don't. I, I doubt this has local dimming. But so an IPS display without local dimming is not going to have very good HDR. But uh, I'm not seeing that anywhere. Are they? Are they Pixel saying perfect upscaling? 
That looks are they good. putting it out there as as professional HDR type quality, or are they? Okay, I'm missing is, the point entirely. Is. As Jim is trying to steer me back on track for us, <laughs> the whole point. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Is oh, H- that is my two point one, my friends. Monitor. Well, may I ask why this needs to be HDMI two point one if it's a QHD resolution? 144 hertz. Well, I guess they have a 4K hertz. version. They've got a 4K ver- variant. Okay, 4K 144. There we go. Yeah, see? Now you're cooking with pixels. And that is amazing. Ban- That's bandwidth, baby. Yeah. And to be honest, QHD at 240 is still... Yeah, 240 QHD? Come on. Give yeah. it to them. That's pretty good. That, that's good. That's good. I, I, I know that man. they're, they're one not millisecond. alone there. Yeah, but one millisecond. What? One millisecond from one shade of gray to another it's, shade of gray. It's always it's always yes. gray to gray. It's always gray to gray. Now, which grays and what they went they don't, through? They don't say. But negative one twenty eight to positive one twenty eight. Is it one of their ten bit grays to another gray? Because there's a there's a lot of shades of gray in ten bit. No man, it's four bits of gray. I'm making that up. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. It's all gray, man. It's all what gray. are the, no, what are the prices they, on this? Hey, four bits now. is oh. all you need, dude. Four bits. Uh, six, These uh, prices are not bad. for the big one? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. not bad. It's, actually, it's, I think that's subtracting the $100 placeholder fee. Wait a minute. It doesn't come with a stand. They're taking a page out of Apple's. Oh, Apple here. will sell you one. Don't worry. Oh, they only want $100 for their stand, though. So due today, I'd have to put down a $100 deposit to reserve one of these things. Yeah, and I could be the proud owner. No. No. It looks metal no. though. The stand is nice. I, I have to admit looks, this. This it looks a matte black looking uh, monitor with a. I want to call this a satin finish. Stop. The stand the is stand. sexy as hell. It is. I'm not going to lie. It is. It's not. It is it's not Apple level, it but it's not thousand dollars. dollars. No. But it's got that okay. sveltness to it. This has been one of the big things we've been waiting for. Like, for the longest time, it was the fact that our SSDs went faster than the SATA bus did. Now, it's the fact that we could have 8K TVs. We could have insanely high refresh rates. But, you know, the HDMI is letting us down. The DisplayPort is letting us down. It it, it literally doesn't have the bandwidth to do it. HDMI 2.1, it's here. After I... Honestly, don't. It's been years, you know, since we've been waiting for a new one. We've we've seen incremental ones, uh, with an A or a B in that, but it, it's in, it's helped a little bit. But if you want proper ten bit color, if you want four by four by four, you want four K and you want a, a a significantly high refresh rate. Well, one, I mean, you're, good luck buying the video card that can push that. But on the flip side, the fact that you've now got a monitor that can handle it and you don't have to worry about it for a couple of years, but even when the uh, RTX 10,928 Ti comes out. Oh, stop. The Radeon Pro 7 will drive four, eight, 16, 8K monitors. I don't know how many it was. It was like six. (laughs) It'll drive them. It'll drive them beautifully. It just won't game Mm -hmm. on them particularly well. Yeah, no. so the, you don't really need much of a just, card nowadays for it. You know, I'm looking at this, and it seems like they've made a mistake because I thought, uh, having been lectured a little bit about this, that <laughs> real gaming is done at 1080p high refresh. 
the competitive gaming people who oh, want 240 you know hertz what? want 1080p how there's an article how is it possible? i could steer you i could steer you towards an article where there was a nice write-up maybe you haven't read it i see i have not yeah i'll, I'll, I'll live in a bubble later. okay mm-hmm. so this is what gamers want. Gamers want these monitors. These are to gamers specs. It's <laughs> QHD and 4K. Like every other enthusiast, we want higher. And and, and it, but they're forgetting that I, I saw who was it in the chat who must have 20. Oh, you? No, not you. Who was? Oh, Ken is in here. I must have 21 by nine. Ken says 21 nine. Well, yeah, Helms agrees. Yeah. It, there's a lot of people That's who a normal complaint. see an ultra wide right. monitor. That's become sort of the new enthusiast monitor because it, it, you know, you think about the old days of multi display setups, and you can have essentially the same thing with this massive three or four foot wide thing on your desk where you're just right in the middle of the action. And I'm watching you on one right now. Yeah. See, I feel like yeah. it, it's that damn either, Dell still hasn't shipped. Oh it's my either, god! Really? Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, it, I ordered Two it in months. February, and no, it was February twenty second. Oh, hmm. I feel like fourteen or ten eighty p high refresh for competitive gaming, and then you have ultra wides and high refresh or variable refresh fourteen forty p monitors. There's a lot of like FreeSync and G Sync fourteen forty p monitors out there. Sure, and then beyond that, well, for the technology right now. Do just about anything yeah, at 1440p. Anything above, anything above, even really, even some of the ultra wides, they're too high a resolution to be driven at high detail levels at native uh, panel resolution with current GPUs anyway. And we're yeah. out of the era of multi GPU. It's just not supported the same way it used to be, and it's been abandoned, all but abandoned by by uh, the GPU makers. So it's not like you can throw two 2080s at the problem. Right. Jacob and, isn't selling me that hundred and twenty dollar NV link anymore. No, and they were pre- they were really pretty. They were. Uh, I will uh, give them that. But yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like when you get up to the really high resolutions like four K, try to try to game four K one forty four. I don't think that it's HDMI two point one that's holding you back. Is my point. Hey, what are you driving it with anyway? I yeah exactly Radeon Seven, it has sixteen no. gigabytes of high bandwidth memory. Um, I, I was just going to say I read enough comments that I think people need a refresher on the the correlation between uh, monitor refresh rate and frames, and frames per second, or how fast their video card needs to spit out frames. I don't think people actually always get the strange correlation between those things. I, I feel like the TV industry has ruined it for people because yes. I'm, I'm literally yes, <laughs> yes. A TV that I bought in 2010. It was a high end. It's an LG Infinia Infinia TV. So it was, I think it's the LE 8500 fully back, like full array, local dimming and stuff. It was one of the highest end LCD TVs 10 years ago. And on the box, I remember when I took it home, it said 240 right on the box. Like, I'm thinking this is mm-hmm. super high refresh rate. Whoa. So what it really is, it's a, I think it's a LG IPS panel. It's a 47-inch yeah, IPS display. And it's a 60 hertz panel. With, okay. I, well, I believe it's 60 hertz. They, they, it's either 60 hertz or it's, it's 60 hertz input. It might be uh, bumping it up to 120. But then it does backlight blinking to give you the effective 240. Yeah. There's all these tricks. Like 
Really? Except, remember, except, remember P versus I? Interpolated versus uh, progressive? Oh, sure. Yeah, progressive yeah. versus but interpolated. It's yeah. more or less pulling that crap again. So, like, this monitor, I, I can it look was it interlacing, though. It's a 60, oh, it's a 60 hertz on yeah. display at that point. If you buy a high refresh display, it will present to your operating system, if it supports it, the option of moving up to some crazy high refresh rate, like 144 or 240 or 320. But at that point, Definitely. if you are playing a game and your graphics card at whatever resolution the monitor is, if you're trying to go native resolution with your monitor so it looks really crisp, good luck actually sending 144 frames consistently mm-hmm. to the display. Yeah. And if you're yeah, not, that's what I'm talking about. you're going to have the same issues that you'd have with any other display to any other refresh, right? You'd have the same kind of tearing issues. Tearing is not just a 60 hertz problem. Tearing is a problem that affects any non-native display refresh. Yep. So you can you can drag a window around fast enough to do it. Yeah, but but they're variable refresh, so I will hand it to them. I mean, at least they're doing it yes. right. The problem is you'd you'd invest in this monitor now, thinking I'm future proofing, which is which is why you would do it because you're getting the the newer display connectivity. It's got more than enough bandwidth for the next several generations of GPUs, but you're never going to even come close to, you're, you're just going to be running at a lower uh, refresh all the time with your variable refresh is my point. You'll be at like 85 or something and it'll be good enough, but you could save a lot of yep. money and buy a cheaper monitor and do the same thing. I mean, future yeah, well, proofing has been a laugh for a long time, but it's never been worse than now. Right. Cause why would you invest in IPS now? Is IPS really the future IPS? What about micro LED? What about lower cost OLEDs? What about, you know? Yeah, maybe. The industry moves slowly, but. Well, OLEDs, we're more looking at a cheaper way to make them and a significantly less poisonous way of making them. Yeah, that's a. They had some longevity issues as well with burning. Well, fair. What it'll happen. Uh, Speaking of speaking of burning. Uh, I'm trying to make a a segue here. Nice. Back blaze blaze. Yeah. Fire. Yeah. Set I'm so up. mad Backblaze. that I missed this. Hard drive. I love this. Hard drive stats are out. And uh, once again, there is a standout name. It, it's, it makes me sad what, because Seagate? you think... Yeah, because after, after the WD stuff, the controversy about the red drives, and obviously they're not using those capacities here. Are you, well, let's see. Well, they size. are. There's a 4 terabyte Toshiba that's an outstanding oh, yeah. uh, use. Those HGST drives... They got, they're doing something right. This means nothing to audio listeners. So whoever talks about this, I guess we should probably explain more of what we're looking at here. There, it's the annualized hard drive, hard drive failure rates from Backblaze. So report, the reporting period was January 1st through March 31st of this year. And they give the drive count, like how many drives are actually in service, and what size of what model, and how many failures, and a failure rate in a percentage. And if, I feel like Seagate... Because they deploy more Seagate drives than anything else, it's always going to have a higher failure rate. But the percentages are there. It's it's over 1% yeah. failure rate. It's not crazy, but they have tens of thousands of these drives deployed too. 60,000 drives-ish, you know, for and Seagate's yeah. alone, right around something like that, 50,000 to 60,000 drives that they have in their, in their chart here. And... You know, a failure rate of, I'll uh, just pick the biggest one here. So they're running almost 37,000 drives. They have 
3.3 million days uh, of running at the 12 terabyte size. 126 failures is 1.37%. And that's the standout failure number on this particular chart. You remember so when it's not it huge. was approaching double digits back about 10 years ago? I think of it. I think of these percentages as infection rates. I don't know why. Something, some reason. Yeah. I did. I timed that poorly. I'm sorry. You did. That's. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I almost already got in trouble. It's fine. <laughs> no, I, but the uh, and it was just joking. It wasn't serious. But no, like the failure rates have dropped significantly. Uh, if. Like, it's Agreed. a weird sort of a fetish, but I love watching the Backblaze failure reports. And it, it does, you know, directly relate to my day job as well. But you find that, strangely enough, the, the more popular drives, the ones that are selling millions versus thousands, do have a higher failure rate. And there's a very damn good reason for that, because there are more of them out there. And when there's a failure, for the most part, they have built-in recovery options. They have no questions asked replacements. And for the vast majority of it, they're far underneath uh, the meantime before failure. Like MTBF is still inflated, uh, to say it differently. It's, they're saying, you know, worst case scenario, this is about the meantime before the average drive is going to die. We're nowhere near that anymore. It, it used to be a good benchmark to look at and go, yeah, you know what? That uh, desk star, I don't know that we should invest in those anymore. But at, at this point, it's it's become very, very interesting to watch because they're, they're so much more reliable. And everyone's screaming about QLC and TLC and the fact that, oh, it dies immediately. Well, there you go. There, there is a proof in the pudding that it they don't. Yes, yours might have, and I'm sorry for you. I'm, I'm sorry if you lost all that data. But the overall trend is that, no, the hard drives and, so, and SSDs have gotten significantly more reliable. And, yeah, I'm sorry, you sell 3.5 million drives and 1% of them, 1.3% of them dies? That's pretty damn good. Well, there's, there's hard drives on there with even better rates. But, you know, yeah. I, I personally enjoy... <laughs> <laughs> and that's good. He's, he teed me up for this next bit because um, I like to say that I like to ride the edge a little bit because if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room. You know what I mean? So I like to use my drives deep into the reserve allocation blocks, if you know what I'm saying. So what if it's throwing a few hundred errors? They're spare blocks. So I really enjoy using my drives well beyond their MTBF. Now I'll see what the problem is. Yep. Oh, come on. Remember data. the argument back when, uh, you know, once drives hit about uh, 10 terabytes, if you b had to rebuild a RAID, there is no possible way you could actually rebuild it based on the failure rate percentage. <laughs> and yet and yet there they are people stick multiple 10 terabyte hard drives and then back it with a uh, a dual core Celeron as a RAID controller <laughs> I spent all the money on the hard drives man good luck man let's, let's move away from hardware here and talk about software now before we wrap this up games I see this category listed here games beginning with Halo 2, Anniversary, 
released for Master Chief PC Collection. It was available now. I remember when this was being teased earlier this year. Came out on Tuesday, apparently. Has anybody played it yet? I have not, but I keep meaning to buy it. And I actually, I did not know that they were releasing them one at a time. I keep meaning to to purchase the collection and start playing again. But I didn't know you didn't get them all. Actually, I was, I'm, I'm a stupid. But yeah, apparently uh, this just got released. Didn't see that coming? To, no, I'm a moron. <laughs> Did you but, see you know, the Mafia remaster stuff? Like the Mafia. No, that one no, I'm more interested in. Yeah, Do tell. It looks, it looks really good. And this It's cool. obviously been a trend for a while. I was just getting excited about the Tony Hawk uh, remasters that are coming in. That September. looks great. And I, I used to play a lot of Tony Hawk 1 and 2 on PlayStation. And, and to, to play with like next-gen looking graphics with the same venues and stuff is exciting to me. Did you see the but, side-by-side renders? Of course you did. It, it's Did ridiculous. They age Tony Hawk for the game? Yeah. No, I don't think so. He he looks uh-huh. appropriate, although it's hard to tell. Like when I look back at the PlayStation version, he is represented by roughly sixteen to eighteen pixels total. <laughs> yeah. I think so. It could have been old Tony Hawk back then. I don't know. Right, but the music was great. I think too. this entire podcast should be rendered at that resolution. Actually, that would probably improve it. I think the more we downsample it, and please, Jim, do something here. I've been uh, uh, a big proponent of that for a while. Yeah, I think if we did this you podcast, you don't want to see us in 4K. Three twenty by two forty would be three twenty by two forty. It's magical. Okay. Remember, we and I, I think the playback mechanism should only be flash. No, I'll draw what about HTML five? Yeah. Wasn't that going to save <laughs> us all? Don't you feel saved? I know I do. <laughs> What else is coming out? Um, GTA Five free, oh, free, free. I should log in and make sure I get it before the sale is, is it over. Worth it? No, because then you have to. The last time I the... played a GTA, it was a, a top-down. Oh, thing. Jeremy, it was asymmetric. This is one of the most popular games in the world, according to Steam surveys. And if you exactly. want to play it on Epic and deal with Epic. Plus Rockstar, because I'm I, I'm guessing you still have to do the Rockstar Social Club DRM. Yeah, well, I did that for Red Dead Redemption too. So I'll, uh, I'll ask I mean, my my there. son. My son just downloaded it today, and he spent all of his money on this. So I think he's going to have he's upstairs playing it right now, as far as I know, and he's having a great time. It took him like an hour to download it. I don't know how big the thing was. It's gigantic. I better uh, end this podcast oh, all the... in the next 29 <laughs> minutes so I can be sure to log in <laughs> to our Epic account and get it. That's right. Jim, today. if you're listening, add it to the Epic account because it, it probably already is there. Or right. we have it on Steam. I personally own it wow. on Steam already anyway. There's a real chance that we finish before midnight. I'm amazed. I know. We're done. I mean, was, we could talk about it was... whatever. I know you guys I might know. have some picks. I decided to finally pick something, but... Cool. Let's go. In, let's go into picks of the week. We've covered everything. Jeremy, more games. Oh yes, yes, yes. Picks of the week. So I pulled this one out of my prospect uh, Uh Although, if you've never played Solaris, it's free this weekend, and there's a bunch of Paradox sales. Crusaders King Three is awesome, but don't pre-order shit. Just, just don't. But have you ever played Alan Wake? Have you ever thought about playing Alan Wake? Because right now it's two bucks. It's a very interesting game. Oh, sorry. The, the collector's edition is two dollars. If you don't want the collector's edition, it's only a buck fifty. 
<laughs> but it's it's an interesting take on you know first person horror mystery weirdness. It's it's a fair amount of fun. It's well written, and uh, you're not you're gonna get your money's worth out of it. Seriously, like for a buck fifty, it, it's gonna be worth it. You should give it a shot if you haven't. If you have, well, check out Stellaris and the other Paradox stuff. How can you not buy it for ninety percent off? Dollar forty nine. Just put it in your library and add it to all those other games you'll someday you'll get to. That's so embarrassing. The more you Everybody buy, that, the right? more you save. Oh my god, it works everywhere. I'm going to say that all the time. I increasingly have gotten to the point where the only PC gaming I interact with is the stuff that I install and run specifically to benchmark. And because I'm benchmarking a lot of CPUs and GPUs, I just get so sick of the whole thing that I just go to the living room and turn on the PS4 if I actually want to play a game. So that's sad. And I probably shouldn't even admit that, but that's true. But speaking of PS4, uh, I recently spent like two hours a night, I think it was, until I finally beat it after I, f- I got my hands on a copy. But the Final Fantasy VII Remake is a PlayStation 4 or a PlayStation 4 exclusive right now. Not on PC yet. I don't know when that'll be. Oh, man. Isn't it this is... like one quarter of the game? It's just Midgar. It's just the first yeah, like, part of the first even disc. Even a quarter of the game. No, not even a quarter of the game. I don't know how many episodes are going to be. I don't know if these people are going to live long enough to finish the game, but the glacial pace this thing moves <laughs> if you're comparing it to the original game. Because the original game, really, really fast-paced. There are a lot of things, like Wall Market in the original game is two screens. Yeah. And in I in Wall Market in this game, and I can't remember which chapter it is, it is so confusing to me anyway because i'm I'm, it's like two stick control you run around with the left stick and you can change the camera with the right stick and i tried to have like camera auto follow and it it takes its sweet time so i end up having to like manually turn the camera all the time or else i'm watching myself walk sideways and watching myself walk towards the camera (laughs) but i was getting so lost in wall market because it's at night and there's alleys you have to go down and the world feels huge first of all the graphics are stunning it's unreal engine 4 not 5 but it's just it's a really 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 good looking game and i was surprised that i actually liked the combat i grew to like the combat system as i played but I played, I chose, when I started the game, I chose classic mode, thinking, oh, this will be closer to your old Final Fantasy VII with menus. And there's there's still an ATB meter that fills up, and there's still, like, options, like, using spells and potions and that sort of thing. But uh, the classic mode is apparently equivalent to easy. So I found the game not to be challenging at all. Like, it wasn't until the very last chapter that I felt it was even possible to get a game over screen. I need to replay it in a harder mode. You play through it all the way. You can unlock hard mode. I need to at least play it in normal mode because it was it was way too easy. But uh, for how who knows how many years this will be the PlayStation Four version, and it's it's just Midgar. But they've they've augmented it and added so much more stuff. But they've uh, uh, stuffed it full of filler. Yeah, some of it feels like filler. The the side quests are just like fetch quests like i lost my kitten can you help me find my cat and you're wandering around 
the slums to find this little girl's cats. Uh, just sorry, I fed it to a chocobo, but now it goes right. faster, so piss off. Oh, no, yeah, you don't even get, you don't get to ride chocobos until oh no, that's that's many discs. Right, they do it early in this game. Like I saw somebody complaining that you don't get chocobos till the end. Like you don't even get chocobos in Midgar at all. Be lucky no. that there's a chocobo taxi service in Midgar in this game. After you do the chocobo side quest where you catch these runaways but anyway it's it's if you have a ps4 i i was lucky because i'm fortunate enough that i have no chocobos were harmed in the filming of this i have a ps4 pro and uh an hdr 4k oled tv and you know it just immediately goes into hdr mode and it looks just phenomenal and the soundtrack is is amazing too so it's it's like orchestral versions of the same basic music and then it's i i didn't love all the changes they made but i think it's on its own merit it's a very good game and i'll stop talking about it now brett excellent uh you know who doesn't need uh, an external one terabyte drive for like 19 bucks right i mean that's pretty cool 20 dollars less than 20 bucks it's not thunderbolt but you know what if you spend 19 dollars you can get uh, no, you can <laughs> you can you can buy a one terabyte drive, and what are you going to put it in? Well, you need a case. Why not get yourself a fancy aluminium case for twenty dollars? Why not smash them together for thirty nine? So here it is. This is typically a uh, a Mac store. I get uh, occasional uh, emails from these guys because I buy Mac gear on a fairly regular basis. So this is a USB three, fairly you know reasonable interface uh 2.5 um drive enclosure with a one terabyte spinny disc not terrible 40 bucks they only got 12 if they've got that many left a little earlier this afternoon they had 22 that is impressive yeah so you know if you get done with a one terabyte drive then put your ssd in it it's still usb3 and it comes with a um, – this is unusual, which is what I like uh, about these sort of external drives, is it comes with an external power uh, port, which means mm. that for those larger SSDs that might draw more than your port does or spinny drives that will not – and I've seen this. Unfortunately, multiple times spinny drives will not um, uh, untorque and spin. 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 Not do their thing. Not do the, the thing that they're sort of known for. Spin. Yeah, kind of, kind of like not doing the thing that they're supposed to do uh, on port power. So it's often useful oh. to give them a kick in the spin word direction with a, a external power uh, wall wart. So yeah, decent enclosure, aluminium, tough stuff. Comes aluminium. with a one terabyte drive. Aluminium. That is a good deal. Even if you just bought it for the for- case. Exactly. You know what? I, I looked it up actually. Oh, are you going to start shucking cases again? Uh, reasonable aluminum cases are 20 bucks so that was where i came up with my 19 dollars drive 20 dollars case 19 dollars for one terabyte laptop drive is not bad it's not bad i just Certainly realized it's ryan's law 20 bucks for a aluminum 2.5 external 3.0 usb with power port also not bad mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we did it. It's uh, 11.39 Eastern Time, uh, and we're done. Amazing. I have nothing left to say. Jim does not disavow us any longer. I didn't have anything to say to start with, but I have even less to say now. Well, there'll probably be something. Yeah.
We'll just keep going. Yes, I won't actually end it. We'll just go until no, Jim good. shuts it down. Well, I expect him to throw up a picture of MC Hammer when he wants it show. done. When he wants it over, he's going to throw up a picture of MC Hammer. Huh. Yeah, we couldn't use audio cues because that would cause the podcast to uh, be removed from YouTube, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, our our podcast could benefit from a soundtrack. But we don't have one. definitely or a laugh track. One of the two, either either one. There were some people in in YouTube chat who were wondering what we did with Jim's body. Um, we stuffed it into that little door, the door, the door thing. Yeah. That's yeah. He's in. He's in there. Yeah, he'll be fine though. I don't. He's not dead. Did you ever watch? Did you ever watch the Princess Bride? Jim is very very alive. Who hasn't watched yes. Princess Bride? Exactly, and Not anybody who's been be dead inconceivable. Ex- yep, anybody who's been dead all day just has a bit of a stiffness to them. He'll be fine. There are DVD, Blu-ray, and Criterion Blu-ray copies of that movie in my house. I think I only have the Blu-ray edition, or oh, maybe the DVD. But yeah, I haven't watched the Criterion yet. It's still sealed, but apparently it's an all-new transfer. They did like a 4K transfer <gasps> of it. Really? Because it's Criterion. Criterion doesn't release 4K like UHD Blu-rays. So they did a 4K transfer, which looks amazing, I'm told, and then put it on a Blu-ray. So I find that as believable as the ROUSs. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, I and I've 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 gotten to realize some of this. Like cuz you've read for years now there's been these 4K transfers. Like we transferred the film at 4K. The original master tape. Right. And then you don't bullshit you, don't really you see upscale the, the VHS recording. You be quiet. The, I will say <laughs> the the final cut of Blade Runner, which came out on UHD Ooh. Blu-ray before I think yeah. Blade Runner twenty forty nine came out, that was using their four K transfer from the, from a few years ago that Warner Brothers commissioned. It looks phenomenal. I'm not wild about all the HDR effects they added, but you don't have to use those. But it the transfer is so pristine on that it almost looks too good because then you can see models where before it, it i don't know it's 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 close it's close to being too good if that's even possible it looks yes, better than your old yes. hd dvd copy that's for sure Ooh, i still regret not buying the briefcase oh <laughs> i think this i think we're this getting is a the signal this is yeah, the subliminal hammer time <laughs> so, well hey if you're watching live you still have on the uh, east coast at least uh 17 minutes to get your free copy of grand theft auto 5 you should start downloading now. Is it from when you start it or from when it when you finish? That's a good question. Finish what? The download. It's not trivial. The download? I think you just have to add it to your <laughs> library. What are okay. you talking about? Add it to your library. And then someday you could download it. Okay, that's true. Okay, I did care. read that. You're if right. If you care. You're right. It's hammer time.